In President Dwight Eisenhower's farewell address in 1961, he warned about what he described as a threat to American democracy. He stated, We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower had been the supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe during World War II and had seen firsthand the horrors of war. He ended his speech by telling the millions of Americans listening that, quote, We must learn how to compose differences, not with arms, but with intellect and decent purpose. He gave this solemn message after being tricked into building over 2,500 jet bombers to combat a Soviet military threat that didn't actually exist. I'm Zach Knight. Welcome to Shaking America, a history podcast. Sources for this episode include Dwight Eisenhower's Farewell Address from the National Archives, Intelligence in the Cold War by Michael J. Sulik, and the article Bomber Gap from the National Cold War Museum Archives. During the Cold War, the United States and the Soviet Union became locked in an arms race in which each side sought to develop and deploy the most advanced military technologies. One area of focus was the development of long-range bombers, which were used to deliver nuclear weapons over great distances. In the beginning of the 1950s, the U.S. had a significant advantage in terms of its long-range bomber fleet. The Soviets responded by building bombers of their own, introducing the Tupolev Tu-95 into their air force in 1956. They premiered this brand-new bomber at a state-sponsored event called Soviet Aviation Day. Aware that the eyes of the world were upon them, they planned an elaborate ruse to appear stronger than they truly were. At the demonstration, ten bombers flew by the reviewing stand and then disappeared out of sight behind a mountain. They then quickly turned around and flew past the crowd again, this time with eight more bombers, giving the illusion that there were 28 bombers in total, instead of the 18 in reality. This is so dumb. And it's remarkable not only that this is the plan they came up with, but that it worked. The U.S. military took this at face value, and defense experts at the Pentagon extrapolated that if the Soviets could build 28 bombers in only a few years, by 1960 they could potentially build up to 800, far outnumbering the roughly 150 bombers the U.S. owned at the time. They called this hypothetical deficiency the bomber gap a term that soon became a political talking point. The Pentagon argued to Congress that a drastic increase in defense spending was needed to close the bomber gap and give the United States complete supremacy in the air. The CIA, working with spies and informants from within Moscow, disagreed with this assessment, claiming that the Soviets did not have the industrial capacity necessary to build hundreds of planes. However, Congress was extremely fearful of the potential military capabilities of the Soviet Union. Remember, this was at the height of Cold War paranoia. They went with the military's plan, ramping up production of long-range jet bombers by giving lucrative multi-billion dollar government contracts to the aircraft company Boeing. 
President Eisenhower was extremely skeptical of the bomber gap. He understood that while the Soviet Union had been growing economically since the devastation of World War II, the country still faced massive problems. Frequent shortages of food and basic consumer necessities, such as soap and toilet paper, were exacerbated by the Soviet central planning system, the collection of government agencies responsible for the production and distribution of goods and services, the almost complete lack of transparency and accountability within the Soviet government allowed widespread corruption to flourish within these agencies, resulting in frequent resource imbalances and waste. Eisenhower, using data from the CIA, believed that the Soviet economy could not support the level of production necessary to make the hundreds upon hundreds of bombers that Americans were so afraid of. However, he did not have the proof necessary to truly refute the Pentagon's claims. This was worsened by Soviet propaganda, which consistently embellished their military prowess. As the Soviet Union was a closed society with no free press, it was difficult for American experts to accurately assess the capability of their air force. Hoping to avoid further escalation, Eisenhower ordered the development of recon planes in an attempt to uncover the truth himself. By the time the recon planes that Eisenhower built were operational, the U.S. Air Force bomber fleet had grown from a little over 100 to 2,500. While the former military man recognized the need for a strong and modern Air Force, he also lamented the amount of tax money spent on the process, comparing arms spending to stealing from the people. He stated, The jet plane that roars overhead costs three quarters of a million dollars. That's more than a man will make in his lifetime. What world can afford this kind of thing for long? Eisenhower's recon planes would fly their first missions over the Soviet Union in 1958. They photographed 30 Russian bombers at an airbase south of Leningrad and sent the information back to the Pentagon. The military used this information to confirm their belief that the communist bomber threat was imminent, telling Congress that if the Soviets had 30 bombers at one base, they likely had 30 at all of their bases, and were therefore well on their way to matching America's numbers. Unconvinced, Eisenhower ordered the recon planes to continue to scout the Soviet airbases, and to give follow-up reports on the bomber gap. For a year straight, the planes flew across the entirety of the Soviet Union, but found little to no evidence of a massive bomber fleet. This coincided with the CIA receiving information that the Soviet factories producing aircraft were slowing down. Eventually, it was confirmed that in reality, the 30 bombers photographed were the entire Soviet fleet. The Soviets weren't happy with being spied on from above, and met with Eisenhower to discuss shutting down the program. Satisfied with the knowledge gained, he cooperated. He then met with Congress to stop the constant production of American bombers. By the time they signed the bill to cut spending, nearly 3,000 American jet bombers were combat ready. The Soviets, on the other hand, had only produced 93 bombers in total, with only 10 still being operational and capable of flight by 1960. The threat had been entirely imaginary. While the bomber gap had been an illusion, it had a massive impact on American policymaking, defense spending, and military strategy during the Cold War. The companies and congressmen directly involved made millions.
When Eisenhower left office, he gave the famous speech referenced at the start of this episode. In it, he coined the term military-industrial complex and told the American people to be vigilant in making sure that it does not grow in power. Sixty years later, and not much has changed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shaking America. Didn't mean to release such a downer episode near the holidays, but I don't really write these based on the seasons. It's more of just whatever books I'm reading. New episodes come out every other Thursday. If you want to support the podcast, check out shakingamerica.com and use the Ko-Fi link at the bottom left to contribute, or just recommend the podcast to a friend. That works too. I'm Zach Knight. Thanks again, and see you in two weeks.